like that is the music that plays inside George Gomez's head every time he sees a new episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast has been uploaded to the world. Okay, so are you sitting down? This is going to be the week in which we see the next new Stern machine. You heard it here first. This week, we will be introduced to the next major cornerstone title from Stern Pinball. They once again have done it to us where they don't go to the big trade show to reveal the game. They wait until the following week or two and then pull the curtain off the machine. I thought it would be at Comic-Con. It seemed like it would make a total home run to bring the new game to Comic-Con and have hundreds of thousands of people who go to Comic-Con see your new machine. Uh, Instead, they decided to bring Star Wars Home Edition there. We'll talk a little bit about that and why they did that. But Look, who cares? Who cares? All the complaining and moaning and groaning is about to end this week because we will see the next latest, and I'm hearing one of the greatest, games from Stern Pinball. Now, here's how it's going to work. On Monday, the distributors will be briefed on the game. What that means is I think Stern does like a video walkthrough, or maybe it's live via Skype. They do a walkthrough of the new game for their distributors, and they explain the way the game works, how what the theme is. They give them like enough information to then take that information and be able to sell the game, right? It's like them empowering their sales force with uh, all the right key messages around the game. I bet what happens during that walkthrough is Gary just walks up to a machine. He goes, you pull the shooter back, and you watch the ball go wee around the play field, and then you make thousands of dollars from Stern Pinball because we're the only pinball manufacturer in town that will get these games to consumers in a week or two. So can you place your orders now? Absolutely you can. All right, so that's what's going to happen on Monday. Now, when will the full reveal of the game take place? Here's what's going to happen, and this always happens, is the second distributors know about the game, they will tell everyone and their mother what the theme is, what the game is, and then all of that will leak onto Pinside and into the forums and into the inner circles of pinball enthusiasts. And if the title is big, here's what always happens. If it's a big title, it will sell out within 48 hours. So if it is Jurassic Park, will it sell out immediately? Absolutely. If it's Jurassic World, it might take a little bit longer. Uh, if I think it's between those two, right? So here's the funny part. The code name, over at Stern Pinball with the distributors is Jaws. They're calling the codename of this game Jaws. Now, we know that doesn't mean it's going to be Jaws the big fish that's in the ocean based on the 1970-something film we all love. No, it means that they're insinuating the big Jaws from a dinosaur, right? The T-Rex Jaws, the Indominus Rex Jaws. That's why they codenamed it this. They're so funny, Stern. They have such a good sense of humor. You know, I'll tell you what. It looks like they're having a really good time over there at Stern. Like they're having a lot of fun. And they must be. Because you know what leads to having a lot of fun in life? When you make a lot of money. And Stern Pinball is very successful. The pinball hobby is growing. And they are capturing the majority of the money that is flooding into the pinball marketplace. They must be blown away. Looking at the last 11 years of pinball, right? 2008, pinball's on the verge of collapsing. The economy's collapsed. Stern is about to go out of business. They hold on with Lord of the Rings, a George Gomez masterpiece. And 11 years later, they've seen so many 
so many charlatan companies come and go, so many other people try to show them how to do it in the pinball business, and the pinball business is booming, and they are collecting most of that revenue, and they deserve it. They deserve it, okay? All right, so we're going to see the new game. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Is it going to be Jurassic Park or Jurassic World? Now, I think most people are really hoping it's Jurassic Park. Okay, Jurassic Park is the iconic movie. It, it is a movie most of us have seen uh, t tens of times, if not hundreds of times. It's a movie in which we remember the theme song, all the different theme, and you know, scenes from the movie, all the different lines from the movie. You know, Dino DNA, hold on to your butts. Ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. You know, how awesome would it be when you go to tilt the machine and it goes ah uh, ah uh, ah? Uh, right? Um, Jurassic World. I was entertained by Jurassic World, but it's not the iconic film. It's a movie you see maybe once or twice. It's not a movie you're going to watch over and over and over again like the original Jurassic Park. The other thing about Jurassic Park, it was a Steven Spielberg movie, and it was the first time uh, CGI graphics, right? It was the first time they were able to apply CGI in ways that blew us away. I mean, it was a groundbreaking movie. When people saw Jurassic Park for the first time, it was like nothing they had ever seen before. And that, that, that can't be said about Jurassic World. I think it's a little bit of a shame now. There's like no kind of like groundbreaking theatrical, uh, you know, movie going experiences anymore. The last one was Avatar for people, right? When that whole new 3D world that James Cameron developed came to life um, with Pandora. All right. So, I think everyone's hoping it's Jurassic Park. We will find out this week. Uh, if it is Jurassic World, I think it still will sell very well because we all love dinosaurs. I don't know about you, but I'll watch almost any movie with dinosaurs running around in it. It could be it, it could be a, a movie about knitting dinosaurs, dinosaurs that want to knit you a sweater. And I'd be like, you know what? I have an hour and a half to watch this film, okay? So, will this game, the question I have, coming out when it is, will it? put a dent in Willy Wonka sales. To me, these are the two games that are going to go head-to-head -head for your money this summer, okay? Will they will they battle it out for pinball supremacy in the summer? Now, how do I think Willy Wonka stacks up when it comes to being a competitor for Jurassic Park or Jurassic World? Well, we have to, we have to look at it depending on what the theme is going to be. So if it's Jurassic World... I think Willy Wonka has an advantage. I think Willy Wonka is a classic movie. It's iconic. It falls into that bucket of movies people have watched over and over and over again. Also, movies that people introduce to their children. It becomes part of the family movie-going experience, right? I don't think Jurassic World has that level of cachet. I don't think it has that level of cultural significance. And so, therefore, I think that Willy Wonka is a superior theme than Jurassic World. Now, if it's Willy Wonka versus Jurassic Park, hold on now. We have a whole different competition stirring up here. If you were to ask me which theme is more uh, powerful and people have more of an emotional connection to in the pinball demographic, which, remember, is 40 to 50-year-old men, which theme speaks more to those people, would be more exciting for those people to buy, would be more, uh, in, people would be more enthusiastic about owning. And I think without a doubt, it would be close. It would be very close. But I think Jurassic Park would edge out Willy Wonka. You know, I'm a little bit surprised too. Willy Wonka is a very cool theme. But when people start saying like, oh man, it's a dream theme. Like, 
How many grown men do you know willingly start having conversations about Willy Wonka between the ages of 40 and 50? Willy Wonka is not really the cool flick to put on for most of these guys. Willy Wonka is not really the movie. When you're at a bar talking about amazing movie scenes, people are like, oh, yeah, but what about when Veruca Salt like wanted it now? Like, no, it's not. And it's, it's a timeless classic for sure. I'm not arguing against that. But I think a lot of the grown men who are really into pinball, they, you know, they like Willy Wonka. I don't think they're over the moon in love with Willy Wonka uh, the way they are with some other movies like Back to the Future, like Jurassic Park, like The Karate Kid, like Top Gun. Again, Ghostbusters, I think those are all themes that are much, 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 much more uh, indelibly linked to the psyche of a man between the ages of 40 and 50, okay? Do you agree or disagree? So the question then becomes is how will they integrate the game and how will how will it compete with Willy Wonka? We know, you know, Jersey Jack Pinball's approach to Willy Wonka. Pat Lawler created one of, I think, the best shooting games we've had in a really long time. The theme integration is there from a visual standpoint. You got the big gobstopper rotating. You got the big Wonka vision. You've got all the characters from Willy Wonka on the playfield art. If you stand over a Willy Wonka, there is no doubt you are in front of the world of Willy Wonka. Now, does the theme and the movie we love come to life? in that game the way we want it to, that's a subjective question that's open for debate. I would say that a lot of what I love in that movie is absolutely missing from the way that game comes to life when I play it. I I just don't feel like I'm going through the chocolate factory. You know how I feel, people. Now, how will Stern integrate Jurassic Park or Jurassic World into this game. I can't believe we're even, imagine if it's not Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, they're going to be laughing their asses off over at Stern Pinball at this podcast. But let's just hypothetically go down the road that it is Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. Okay, so what kind of mechanisms will it have? I mean, the great news is the Data East Jurassic Park is filled with a lot of fun mechs, especially the highlighted one, which is the big dinosaur head that bends over and eats the ball, which is something we haven't really seen in a Stern Pinball machine in a really long time, which are toys that actually interact with the gameplay, but like magical toys. You know, not like the Black Knight was a was a good mech. I mean, it, it got us halfway there. Uh, you know, at least the ball interacts with the toy itself. You still don't, you still, you still do not bash the Black Knight. I love that they always find a way to put targets in front of the toys now. Like if Stern made Lord of the Rings now, you wouldn't bash Balrog. There'd be like a target in front of Balrog or a magnet in front of him, but you don't, you never really hit him. It would be kind of lame. Anyway, so will there will there be a T-Rex or an Indominus Rex toy in the game? that takes what the Data East version did and takes it to the next level. Will there be like the Jurassic Park gates that open up? You kind of need those. What a great bash toy that would be to open up the door to the park. Uh, Will there be velociraptors that run around in the game? Um, Will there be a lower play field in which we have that big sea creature from, uh, you know, Jurassic World if it goes that way? Uh, Will there be pterodactyls? I don't know. You know, there's so much that would come to life in the Jurassic Park uh, world that could make a perfect world under glass in pinball. But here's the thing that I'm worried about. I'm always worried about this with Stern. And this is the one area I'll just like, all right, Jurassic Park. 
you're going into Jurassic Park. It's like a jungle, right, in which the dinosaurs are loose. The pop bumper area of Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, it shouldn't just be crappy, stern, pop bumper plastics. Right, they should have made like trees, like jungle trees in which the ball bounces between. Actually bring the world to life and look at every element of that world and sculpt it into the game to the best of your ability. At least they tried with Ghostbusters to sculpt the city over the pop bumper area that made it look much more interesting. And I really hope Stern is starting to turn a corner here and look at these games. And the reason why I point out the pop bumper areas in Stern Games, they're just such wasted real estate when it comes to creativity and putting the world there. You know, but look, let's see what happens. I mean, I, I, this is stupid. I'm starting to like critique a game I've never even seen. I don't even know if it's that theme. So we're not going to keep going down that road. But if it's Jurassic Park, and it's Keith Elwin, right? And it's a unique design. I don't know who the artist is. Like, it's it's not Franchi. Is it Zombie Yeti? I don't know what the game is going to look like. But if it is Jurassic Park, this game will sell out by Tuesday. If distributors know it's Jurassic Park, the phone calls they will make, all 500 will be sold out. I hope Stern does 500. If I were them, I would have done 250 SL, SLEs of because it's the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park last year. I would have done or 250 LEs. I would have made it special. I'm, I'm so I don't like these 600, 800 LEs. They don't feel limited. Come on, Stern, zoom it, zoom it back down. All right, zoom it back down. That's a stupid phrase. I'm never using that again. All right, so we'll see. We will see this week, but it's super exciting. Uh, I definitely think if it's a home run game. Uh, it will hurt Willy Wonka sales. There's no way around it. I mean, Willy Wonkas are just on the line, but they're not flying out to people. You know, people have still not seen the collector's edition. I, Jack just made a mistake. By the time the collector's edition is on the line, people will be extremely fatigued uh, by Willy Wonka. They just will be. And the excitement will move on to the next game. I don't know about you out there, but I think a lot of people in pinball are like me. Uh, not in the sense that they have incredible fashion sense and are brilliant. I don't mean it like that. Um, they're like me, and, and here's why I think they're like me. I think most people mentally, mentally, they say to themselves, okay, I could get one new pinball game a year. I could get one new one. Uh, and, and I think most people feel that way because if they needed to, they could financially make it work in which they could buy a new pinball machine a year, maybe two at most. But I think most people fall into that bucket. I think it's an issue of space and I think it's an issue with money with people. So when two big games come out at the same time, so let's hypothetically say Jurassic Park, Keith Elwin or Jurassic World and Willy Wonka pinball, people are going to have to make a decision on which one do I go for. You know, we went 38 people recently who just bought a big Lebowski that they weren't expecting to buy for $12,500. So that money's gone to a pinball machine. Now those people, they might have bailed on their Willy Wonkas to get Lebowski. Now that this new Stern game is coming out, will people bail on Willy Wonka and put the money into the Stern machine if they like what they see more? Okay, now what I think is going to win this battle, and I've said this all along, this is you, these games need to check a lot of boxes for people and they really need to you know if you're a manufacturer you need to make sure your games hit on all the boxes and you've heard me talk about them before but here is what the boxes I think are in order of priority 
if you want to get your game sold. And it's also the reason why, again, I'm like, if you don't check box number one, it makes it harder and harder or puts more pressure on the following boxes to deliver and get your sales going. And it's the reason why Oktoberfest is not selling at all. So first and foremost, the most important box is theme and theme alone. If you nail the theme in pinball, you will sell a ton of games if you nail the theme in pinball. That is what people have the emotional connection to. The number two most important theme or box is theme integration. So after theme is theme integration. How well did you integrate that theme into the pinball machine? So for example, Game of Thrones, first box, check with a big check mark. Second box, theme integration. Game of Thrones is probably one of the worst theme integrations of a huge franchise I've ever seen. Same can be said for Star Wars, right? So that is like once you fail to check the second box with an impressive theme integration game, I think your sales start to fall off immediately, right? So the first box is, do I have your attention? Would you want to buy this game? Yes. Do you like the way we theme integrated this game? If it's a no, good luck selling that game. You're going to have a lot of trouble. All right, after theme integration, the third most important thing, I think, in a pinball game, you know, is, and I go between these two, three and four are very close, is the code in the game. How good is the software in the game, and does it connect to the property in the right way? And I think three and four go together. The next is how well does the game shoot? And the reason why I say that I put code a little bit above how well the game shoots is is a game like Batman. Clunky, doesn't shoot the best, but the code just elevates it. So I think the code does matter more than the, the, the game layout and design. But they're very closely linked. You can almost put them together, okay? And then, then the last thing is just the artwork on a game. How beautiful is the game to stand over? How amazing is it? Um, you know, if you've never played the game before, this is what's funny. The reason why some games sell out before people even play them is they have almost just like one, two, and five. Is it five? Already figured out, right? They've got the theme, right? They've got the world under glass, and they've got the art package nailed. Now, no one's ever flipped it. No one knows if it's any fun. No one knows what the code is. But on just theme and almost art alone, you could probably sell a game out before people even flip a single ball, all right? So that's what's most important. And we're going to see Willy Wonka and uh, you know the next Stern game, battle it out, and whoever can check the most of those boxes will uh, sell the most games. Okay, and it's also the reason why I've been down and out on Willy Wonka because I think you could argue that the world under glass isn't exactly what everyone was looking for when it comes to the movie being put under the glass, and most importantly, the code in the game continues to still be a head scratching mystery. You know, I just saw that they released code 1.09 right and you get all excited you're like oh new code from jersey jack they've listened to us they're putting new stuff in the game they fix things that people have been complaining about and then you open up the notes on the new code update and you're like wait did i miss it like where is it i don't see anything is anything there and there's like two there's like two lines of stuff that are just uh little bug fixes that have nothing to do whatsoever with enhancing the game and then you really start to worry that wait a minute maybe the game is what it is and it's just done and there is not any new stuff coming to this game and that you know look i fully expect in code 1.10 the code update is going to be like, we've now programmed into the game. Um, we're going to tell you what Joe Katz had for lunch last week. So if you update to 1.10, 
Um, throughout the game, Joe Katz will call out his, you know, what he had for lunch last week. I mean, that's where we're at with this game. Have they heard none of the feedback that people want the voice clips put in with the movie clips? I will not shut up about this. Until Jersey Jack Pinball uh, fixes this problem, I'm out on this game. Like, it's the easiest fix. The clips are there. They run over and over again. I don't care if they're repetitive. Go watch. Go watch a stream of the Big Lebowski Pinball and, and go look at the clips from the movie. Imagine all those clips in the Big Lebowski. Imagine if all those clips were muted with no voice happening during those clips. I mean, I want to hear Jesus curse me out over and over again. And the clips in the Lebowski, they're absolutely repetitive. And you see them over and over again. And you guess what? It's freaking awesome. That's why people love the way that game is coded. Because the movie is 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 jumping out of the game and into your eyes and ears. And that's what people want, Jersey Jack. Will you wake the F up and fix that major problem in Willy Wonka? I'm sorry. Wake up, Joe and Jack. Put the voice into those scenes, all right? God, it's so easy. You have the rights to do it or be honest with us and tell us you don't have the rights. Now, speaking of this, speaking of this, if Stern makes Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, what will the assets be like in the game, right? That's a big question mark. Will they get Chris Pratt? Will they get, um, you know, all the original cast from the original Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum, you know, Sam, is it Sam Neill? Will they get all those people to, and will they have the rights to use the clips from those movies? You know, they need it. We need Newman being like, ah, ah, ah. You know, I, I don't want like voice actors recreating those scenes for us. So once again, will assets be the Achilles heel of these big themes? And lately, that's been the case. The bigger the theme, the harder it has been to secure the rights to the things we want to see. All right. Oh, man, I, I feel like I haven't taken a breath. Have you taken a breath since I started this podcast? All right, so I want to read a few of your emails. I want to respond to something that someone has, people have been saying. like They feel let down by Stern bringing Star Wars Home Edition to Comic-Con. And, and the, the consensus is they're mad that Stern hyped this as the big reveal at Comic-Con. I want to tell people, everyone, here's the truth. You want the truth? I'll give you the truth. Because Stern doesn't talk to us about the truth, but I'll give you the truth. And I don't mean like Stern's lying. They just go about business as usual. And Stern also has something that a lot of these distributors don't have or manufacturers. They have really strong relationships with their licensors. And they sometimes do stuff that the licensor has asked them to do. So do you not think that Disney had no say in what happened at Comic-Con in their Star Wars area. Disney is the ones who wanted Stern to put out that the new game would be revealed and would hype it a little bit, all right? So Disney asked Stern to do that. And if you're Stern, what do you do? You do that because you're looking at the bigger picture. Like, so what? Like, we're gonna hype that you're gonna see the next new thing from Stern Pinball. And, and honestly, a lot of people read between the lines and a lot of people were like, this is it. And who cares if you were disappointed for like seven days and now you're going to get the new Stern title? Again, some of this I think Stern maybe does it on purpose and overhypes it to watch the Pinside babies go absolutely nuts and lose their minds when they're not satiated with something, all right? All right, let me read some emails from you guys. What's been going on in your minds in the pinball world? All right, I got an email from BB. Maybe it's BB8. It's from Delt31. You know Delt. He says, Star Wars Home. He says, Canada. 
listening to your podcast and you've completely missed the point of those frustrated about Star Wars Home Edition. You're rambling about privilege and how could Stern make something not for the hardcore. It has nothing to do with that at all. Here's the problem. Stern hyped this game through a teaser trailer that was targeted to Pinside audience. That people got hyped on Pinside expecting their next big reveal. In fact, you even started the podcast off by saying, we found out what the big reveal was. When folks found out the big reveal is Star Wars Home, well, of course, people were pissed because who gives an F? Now, if Stern just dropped Star Wars Home without any teaser or hype, I think the reaction, at least for me, would be different. I understand what they're doing and support trying to get more people in and why not test the waters with the biggest franchise ever, sure. But don't hype this BS and then be surprised people are pissed. As you said, Stern's target audience is not Pinside, so why would Stern hype something to an audience that they know is not watching hype videos? If they were, they wouldn't spend money on Star Wars Home and just buy use. Delt 31. Well, Delt, Stern didn't hype the game on Pinside, did they? Did they go on Pinside and say, hey, everybody, hey, you hardcore people, uh, you're about to have a big reveal from us? No, they didn't. They did not. They simply put up a post that obviously Disney approved and made some content to say that there was going to be a big new reveal uh, at Comic-Con. And, you know, in, 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 in Disney's mind and in Stern's mind, probably, you know, a home edition based on one of the biggest franchises ever is a big deal for them that they're going to sell a, you know, a, I think it's $4,500 Star Wars home edition. And they're going to give distributors the cheapest Stern product based on the biggest theme Stern's ever had for, for, you know, for consumers to now consider to buy. So I, I think a lot of you guys on Pinside are just, you're reading into it. You're, you're projecting yourself into their marketing move and you're not. You were never the target and they didn't do what you just described. So I think just everyone just get over it. We're about to see the cornerstone this week. So who cares, right? Let's just move on. So Lonnie said, Star Wars, this Lonnie Payne, Star Wars Home Edition. I don't see what all the hate for Star Wars Home is all about. It would be one thing if this, this was the only Star Wars available. But there are other fully featured Star Wars out there for the collectors. I watched the Stern stream and the game actually seems pretty cool. Might go well in a large collection of a collectors as well. Lonzo on pin side goes by Lonnie Payne in real life. Um, I couldn't agree more, Lonnie. I think you're right. I think this is a game that it's just it's nice that Stern gives people options at different price points. And I think this is for distributors. This is for distributors when someone walks into their to their distribution company and has all these expensive confusing pins they can show them this and say hey look if you're a beginner maybe you want to start here and then we can go from there all right i got an email from gregor gregor weisberger weisgerber okay gregor says hey canada still listening to every episode just didn't have anything to write in because i'm sadly not spending that much time on pinball anymore but your podcast keeps me up to date effortlessly and the beginning of your last podcast got me to start the Game of Thrones code update stream with Dwight and Jack, and he did address why he updated Game of Thrones, and the, in fact, Ghostbusters update is still coming. To sum it up, Game of Thrones was his first game after returning to pinball, and he always wanted to do an update, so that's why that one was first. 
and Ghostbusters is going to be an even bigger one, and it's being worked on right now already. Yay, can wait, can't wait. Just want to let you know, since you obviously didn't watch it. Okay, so I did not watch that stream, and, and look, uh, Dwight updating Game of Thrones, it's fine. I mean, look, I, I, I'm all for, I'm all for coders updating games and adding things into them and continuing to polish these games over the years. If you ask me one thing, I always love when I say that on my podcast, if you ask me one thing, as if you're there in a room and, and I walk in, I kick in the door, I'm like, you get one question of Canada, what would you ask me? Um, but here's 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 my, my, my take on all this. And you might hate me for saying this, but I think additional code updates in games that happen years after the game come out is the biggest loss of revenue for Stern Pinball ever. It is It is so silly to me that when a game is like at 1.0 and everything's in it that they want in it, it is crazy to me that they don't understand the revenue potential to charge additional money to get complete, you know, very enhanced code updates down the road. You know, and, and look at the video game industry. Look at DLC content in which people pay money to get more out of the game. And look at a game like Fortnite, where the game is free, and yet people spend $300 million a month to get stuff out of the game, to make the experience better. Here's what's funny. You could give someone a pinball machine for free, for free, and charge them you know, $1,000 per mode <laughs> to get the game to wake up. And I guess what? These people would do it. Uh, I'm look, I'm not saying I would ever do that, but you know what I'm saying is it's crazy to me that they're going to do all this work and look, who's paying for that work? You get it for free. And I just think it's, I just think Stern is missing an opportunity, uh, to get people to pony up a few hundred bucks for a completely new experience with the game. I, I wonder if deep root is going to go that approach and charge less for the game, but then charge you for software downloads that really change the game and add more to the game. Uh, and and we and look, and you can't complain about it. We're seeing it left and right in every other area of entertainment, but yet in pinball, you buy a game, the game might be done, they might continue to polish the game because some diehard haters are complaining about a few things, and then they give you that extra work for free. You, know, you didn't pay for it, you didn't even know it was gonna be in there. Um, so, you know, curious to see if Stern listens to this and takes me up on it. Uh, okay, what else is going on? He says, Greg also says, and I'm, and may I suggest for your Patreon campaign, since you're not depending on, on the money, how about donating it to a cause of your liking? I bet you would get even more Patreon subscribers. Okay, so I am donating it to a cause of my liking. The cause of my liking is taking my beautiful wife, Brenda, out for dinner once a month with the Patreon uh, amounts I get. And look, as a wife of a pinball podcaster, you have no idea. You have no idea the amount of time she has to sit and watch and hear me record this podcast. Like right now, I could be having a nice breakfast with my wife Saturday morning. Instead, I want to get this news up. And she loves me. And she understands that I love doing this. But that's why I take Brenda out and we enjoy a meal with the money you donate to Patreon. And if you want to see a happy wife 
which equals a happy life. And if you want to see this podcast go on and on and on into the future, uh, please donate to Canada Pinball Podcast Patreon account. It's not hard to find. Go to Patreon, search for Canada Pinball. It's also Patreon backslash Canada Pinball. I will happily, moving forward, share the photos of the exact dinners and what we ordered at that dinner that you helped contribute to um, for all the countless hours that I have sacrificed, that she has sacrificed to get you guys this pinball podcast. How's that for a cause? Okay. He also says, P.S., I still think you'd be having more fun on your daily commute if you would trade in your Honda for a Tesla Model 3. No way. No way. The Honda is so much more fun than the Tesla. I just like burning stuff, as Jerry Seinfeld says, and the C8 Corvette is coming. I'm going to get the Z06 version uh, and trade the Honda in on that. Have a, have a Demon and a Z06 C8. Sounds like a good combo. All right. I got an email. Let's see. I think that's it for my Gmail. Got a bunch of people wrote in on Facebook, but you know what? I'm going to leave it there. I want to close off one final thing that happened to me as well. After my last podcast, I got hit up by another of American Pinball's distributors, and they said to me that uh, that game is not selling well for them either. And so at, at what point, at what point do some of these people actually go out and be a little bit more vocal about how to help American Pinball? And, 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 I, and I think, you know, what I said in my last podcast, I mean, if you want to help American Pinball, then I think you need to start giving honest feedback. And I think distributors need to go back to them and tell them why they think these games are not selling. And if they are selling, then I would happily report how well they're selling. But where are they selling? 3,000 people chiming in on a Joe Balser Oktoberfest thread does not indicate to me that the game is successful. If you go back to so many or a lot of the conversation was around the damn monkey grabbing ass. Remember the, the ass grabbing monkey? The people couldn't stop talking about that. And so that gets added into that tally of people talking about the game. And the same 50 people, this is the thing too, the same 50 people on pin side sort of slapping each other around in a thread, which happens all the time, that drives up the thread count in a post. But a club thread about unboxing the game is different, and that is why that thread is much more indicative of how well the game is selling because people are not going to go to a club thread and talk about unboxings unless they're doing one thing, unboxing the pin they just bought, and they're not going to be in the club thread unless they actually own the game, all right? And that's why you're not seeing much activity there. So take that to the bank, all you Oktoberfest apologists out there. It's the same thing with the P3 thread. I mean, like months go by, no conversation in the unboxing thread. I mean, are P3s even being made right now? Are they going out? Like, where are they, okay? Come on. Come on, like Cosmic Carnival, unboxing threads. Are we gonna see 250? I think they said they had, they, they were making plaques for like, the first 250 games. I mean, that's ain't that some wishful thinking that you're going to sell 250 Cosmic Carnivals. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard in this climate. You know, they haven't even shipped all the Monster Bash remake LEs. People are still waiting for those. So, you know, long story short, I could help American Pinball. I could significantly help American Pinball with their decision making because I think they have the right engineering talent. 
I think they have a very creative coder. I think the code Josh puts into the game is very creative and very fun. I think they've got fun down. But getting fun down in pinball does not mean you're going to be successful. It doesn't. That's that's like par for the course. They've got the right engineer on board. They've got the designer. They've got the coder. But man, you know who's letting them down is, is the people running the company. What they need, what American Pinball needs is one thing. They need their George Gomez. Who is the George Gomez of American Pinball? Who is the person sitting over that company? Not the designer, not the coder, not the artist, but the guy sitting above the people, sitting above the engineers and the coders and the designers and the artists, and he is the guy holding the wheel. All right, George Gomez is the smartest man in pinball. He is, without a doubt. He's the smartest man in pinball. He sits above it all, and he's able to navigate that big ship. I mean, navigating Stern is like navigating the Titanic, and he does it tremendously well. And if you ever sit down with George Gomez, and I've had the pleasure of doing it a couple times, you will understand immediately, immediately, how smart he is, how passionate he is, and how driven he is to make sure they get it right. And it annoys him to no end when people think what he does is freaking easy and they could do it themselves. And it's the reason why when Stern Pinball sees all these other boutique companies pop up trying to steal their market share, it's the reason why George Gomez is probably thinking in his head, they don't get it at all. And I'm just going to, we're going to keep doing what we do, but we're also going to light a cigar and pour some cognac when we watch another one of these dingbats fail because they don't get it. They don't get it. They think just because we're not on pin side, we don't care. They think just because we're not like, you know, chiming in left and right that we don't care. He's probably like, I'm managing 350 people on a daily basis to get you guys your non-essential toys. And I'm trying to make them as good as possible while managing multiple, you know, design schedules at once while managing multiple personalities at once while managing multiple, you know, licensor and vendor issues all at once. He does it, Right. So who is their George Gomez? Do you think Davil and Nermal walk into American Pinball every day and have that level of understanding what it's going to take to succeed in pinball? I, I, I don't think so. And here's what they need to do. They need to go hire their George Gomez. Every pinball company to succeed needs to find their George Gomez. And I mean that. And I think the same thing can be said at Jersey Jack Pinball is who is Jersey Jack Pinball's George Gomez? Because Jersey Jack to me, Jersey Jack to me is Gary Stern, right? They're the same guys. Their names are on the company. They are the ones who are like the face of maybe that company. But after those two guys, they need their operations man to put everything in motion. And they almost don't even need to be a part of that. And I don't think Jersey Jack Pinball has their George Gomez. And it's the reason why I think Jersey Jack Pinballs are oftentimes lacking cohesiveness, are lacking like a design decision and direction. And I think all their games always fall a little bit short here and there because I think they don't have their George Gomez who sits above stuff and quite gets it 
and drives them to do it. And again, I mean this. I think you're going to see over the next 12 months of Stern Pinball, I think you're going to see them start to fire off on all cylinders. And I, and I, and I think it's going to be a wonderful thing. And I think if, if nobody else can figure out who their George Gomez is, I, I think they're going to struggle. I, I absolutely do. Because the other thing, and the most important thing is this. And you could say what you will about like who's putting quality in and who's making premium pinball experiences. The other thing that George Gomez does, his main job is to make the company money. Are you doing something people want that will make us money? Can you combine passion with profit? He understands how to do that. Yeah, they might not knock it out of the park every time, but I bet you they've made money on every game. Even if it doesn't sell tremendously well, they're still going to make money on Black Knight. That's part of running a successful business. I think everybody else, when they get delays, when they get hiccups, when they hit walls, when, when Pirates of the Caribbean is not on the line for an entire year, Jersey Jack Pinball is losing tons of money. Right, And a lot of that comes down to, if you ask Jack, they didn't order parts for Pirates. They, they almost didn't even have faith or belief in their own game that by the time Pirates of the Caribbean demand spiked, it spiked. People love this game. They are now buying it used for thousands more than it was new. When the demand for the game spiked, guess what? They had no games to make because they didn't order the parts because they just wanted to move away from it. That was a bad decision in hindsight because they didn't have their George Gomez, right? Stern will keep a game on the line for years. Even if it's not juggernaut sales, they'll just still make it available and they'll have the parts there to do another run if distributor orders come in. Jersey Jack didn't have that. They didn't have even. They couldn't even make them if they wanted to, all right? I went off on a little bit of a tangent here, and I wanted to. I wanted to because it's Canadian Spinball Podcast, and that's what we do. But, man, in your life, in anything you do, if you work for a company, find your George Gomez, and you'll be successful because the guy's just that good. And I think we're about to see with him at the helm and these designers inspired by him, and and I think you're going to start to see some pinball magic coming from Stern more and more this year. All right, everyone, this has been Episode 373 of Canadian Pinball Podcast. This is going to be a great week. Lots of new shows are going to go up from me this week as we see and hear more about the new games. I always feel bad, man, for Marty and Head to Head Pinball because they do their recordings on the weekends. And and now the game is going to be revealed on Monday, which is when their show comes out. I've always told Marty and Ryan, I used to tell Ryan this all the time, don't schedule when your shows go up. Okay, go up when the news hits. Go up when you feel like doing a show. That is that is the answer to never getting burnt out. When you feel like you have to do it on a certain day and 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 then do all these segments. We have no segments on this show. There's none. It's not like Canada's fast fast five thoughts. Canada's save it or drain it. Canada's like around the play field. Canada's going to the bathroom. Canada's gonna make Joe Cat's lunch. Canada's code suggestions. Canada's like favorite past 10 games. Like nothing. No segments. And guess what? Number one, love all you guys. We'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>